Let's welcome Pastor Dave Bechtel. Well, well, well. Hi, guys. It was a year ago that I was up here on my final Sunday on staff. I was talking about, let's go on an adventure. So I've spent the next 12 months working on my suntan, and uh, it's coming along all right. But uh, no, we love summer in Madison. There's so much to do, so much water to be by, so many beaches to lay on, so much lawn to mow. Well, not anymore, actually. I got someone to call for that. So that's good news. Um, I want to say happy Father's Day. And I want to echo some of the things that, that Mike shared. If Father's Day is difficult for you for one reason or another, thank you for being here. Because church is not necessarily a fun place to be if Father's Day is not your jam. Because it's all going to be about the dads. And you know what? I just want to say I'm glad that you're here. We're going to talk about the Father's love for us. Because each one of us get to represent his love. The Bible says that we love because he loved us first. So, today, get ready to be re-immersed in the fullness and the goodness of the Father's love for you. And if you aren't quite sure what that means, just lower your expectations and we'll all have a good time this morning, okay? All right? We'll go with that. I like how Jesus said that he does what he sees the Father doing. We see the Father when we look at Jesus. We see his heart. We see his character. We see his activity. And we are called to be like Jesus, representing and reflecting the goodness of God in the way that we live our lives, the way that we interact with people, and the way that we parent our children. So this last year, I have spent a lot of time getting close to Jesus, being with a lot of godly people and being with a lot of people who have no clue about Jesus. I feel like I've got time now. What the Lord has done is like took me out of this sheep pen, so to speak, because we are well cared for in this place with the wonderful pastoral staff and God put me where my heart longs to be. And that's with people who aren't a part of a church, who don't know God, who aren't familiar with Jesus, who have been hurt or disconnected with the church in some way, shape, or form. And I like to help people realize that God is alive, that Jesus is real, and that you can live actually a pretty normal and amazing life knowing Jesus in this day and age. Now, I live an amazing life the debate on whether or not I'm normal is still being had. But I like to show people Jesus without being kooky or weird. And you know what? We can be weird and kooky sometimes, and we don't even realize it. So it's so important to be with people regularly who don't know him because it reminds us of how much he loves them. So I want to be filled with God's love so that I have something sustainable and strong to give away to people around us. So I want to introduce you, uh, I have a picture here of, of my dad. Uh, so this is my dad and I, this is uh, taken a year or two ago, we uh, get to go out on baseball trips every year. My dad and my brothers and I, we travel to different baseball stadiums and we're knocking them off our bucket list and it's kind of fun. So my parents actually drove up from Chicagoland today. So mom and dad, I am so proud to have you here. They're the old people in the third row. Uh, <laughs> but they can't hear anything I'm saying, so it doesn't matter. 
I walk in today, and the first thing my dad says when I tap him on the shoulder, he's like, oh, brother. <laughs> so we got this good thing going on. And people aren't quite sure if we like each other or not, and we do. We love each other very much. So uh, this is my role model in a variety of ways. And I just, uh, I'm going to be referring to my dad a few times throughout this. And I also want to say that if you long to be a father, I want to say, hang in there. God is good. God is faithful. You want to parent children. Just don't give up. Do it in the right way, and God will take care of the details. He knows things that we don't know. And I just want to say, if you long to be celebrated on Father's Day, perhaps that time will come. Hang in there. Well, we're going to go through the word father this morning. So it's kind of like a a checklist. So we're going to talk about a good father. And I've got six points that go along with the letters from the word father. So this is kind of nice. You get to check off. You know when we're getting close to the end. You know when you can make your lunch reservations good or not. And uh, we'll just see how we roll. So a good father finds us. We went to the mall with our kids when they were younger, back when malls were more of a thing. And uh, we were in a store, clothing store, trying to find the deals uh, because, you know, we got four kids and it's just, there's a lot of clothes that need to be purchased. And watching the kids while we're trying to pick out clothes and while we're trying to search the clearance racks and while the people that are working on commission are there hovering over us, it's just, just, if purgatory existed, I think it would be kind of that situation (laughs) repeatedly. Um, And I turned around and our oldest son was missing and... um, Levi, Levi, and he was gone, and I'm like, and I darted out into the mall, and I looked as far as I could see on both sides, and, and I said, where's Levi, and Sarah started looking around the store, you know, and, uh, and I went down the mall, and I said, don't let anyone leave the store, and I went both ways, and I couldn't find him, I went back into the store, she hadn't found him, we're, I mean, everything was on pause, you know, it's like three minutes in, and we're like, this is not cool at all. And we just felt powerless to do anything. And the clothing rack over here starts to rattle. (laughs) Oh, sure, laugh at this painful moment. And Levi spreads the clothes and he says, surprise, I'm over here. (laughs) I was filled with so much rage and relief in the exact same moment. And it was interesting. Uh, But I gave him a big hug and I said, Levi, you have no idea how much danger you can put yourself in and how much concern you can cause your mother in a moment like that, and myself. We wanted him to know that this was nothing to joke about, that we needed to know where he was. A good father finds us. Jesus, as many of us know, talks about this parable of the, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. He talks about this parable of the prodigal son, of a father that had two kids, And one of them just was fed up with life at home, and he just wanted to live life on his own. He said, Dad, give me half of my, give me my inheritance now. And uh, the father just wanted to keep a relationship with his son, and so he yielded his son's inheritance, and his son took it and went off and just wasted the money on ridiculous, wasteful living. And he had a great time for a long time. Then he came to the end of his means, and he was filthy and broke and he was with the pigs and he was just thinking to himself I am going to die out here if I have one more piece of pig food what if I went home and asked my dad if he could hire me as one of his servants I certainly don't believe 
that I'm worthy to be his son any longer, but maybe I could be his servant. At least the servants are doing better than I am right now. And Luke 15, Jesus says, while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and he ran to his son and he embraced him. Life back at the farm and back at the house had to go on, but his father had not forgotten about his son. In fact, in order for that father to see his son coming from a long way off meant that he had to be paying attention to the possible path that his son would be coming home on. And he saw his son coming from a long way off, and he ran to his son and embraced him. And his older brother was fussing. Why should he be embraced? I've been here. I've been faithful. I didn't demand my inheritance. And the father said, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and has been found. The father finds us. And you know what? We don't have to be perfect for him to find us. In fact, the less perfect we realize we are, the more his gaze and his eyes are upon us because we're the perfect candidate for his love and his rescue and for him to save us. So the good father is waiting for each of us. God was offering his best to me while I was doing my worst for him. And I did not clean myself up to make myself worthy for God. I was worthy to God because I'm his son. And he was just waiting for me to come back to him. God reassigned me in the last year. Some people say retire. Some people say I resigned. I can't find a good word to describe what happened, but I think what happened is God reassigned me. Like God freed me from being a pastor so that I could almost so that I could do more ministry. Now, don't get me wrong. I really like a paycheck. <laughs> but the week that I resigned last year, I got three phone calls from churches around the country inviting me to come and consider being their lead pastor. I went through each of those and prayed and talked with my wife about it, and I don't think that's why God reassigned me to lead a church. I think God reassigned me to lead the lost to a place of safety, to a place where they can know Jesus, to churches where they can grow in community and grow in the word and to grow in Christ. Jason Jensen came on as my intern a year and a half ago well, that's what we thought, but God brought him on as my successor. And Pastor Jason has so much vision and energy and love for our kids that he is doing such a wonderful job. Could we just give a round of applause for Jason Jensen? Oh my goodness, I'm so thankful. Another thing that happened the week that I resigned is that Sarah got a phone call from the school that she works at and they were giving her a promotion offering her a promotion. Last year, she was a secretary. This year, she has a secretary. So she's the head of the office at the elementary school on the east side of Madison. And, and then they called her back a couple of times to say, well, we're in the wrong pay bracket, so we're, you're going to be getting paid more. And then they emailed her, and they said, actually, we made another mistake. You're going to be getting paid this much more. And so these are all things that was like God winking at us, saying, I've got you covered. We knew for sure that God was leading me to resign from my staff position at City Church. And we also knew for sure that I was not going to know why until I did it. 
that is, that is a, that is a tricky place to be. I am so grateful for this family. I'm so grateful for this community. And I'm so grateful for the opportunities that God's allowing me to go and help him find people. We do this thing on occasion called Burgers in the Bible, and I'll get together at a, at a burger joint or a bar, and I'll invite a bunch of guys and people who don't know God. And I'm just, I just want to, let's eat burgers. Everybody likes a burger. And then I just share some of the Bible verses that mean a lot to me. And then we keep eating, and then we chat, and then we come back next month. We're having these movie nights at our house, Monday movie nights, you know, dinner, dessert, and discussion. And we're just watching great movies. And then my wife is generous enough to feed us all. And then we have this discussion about life and truth and hope and dreams and eternity. And I just love it because it's me being a Christian without being a kook. And I just love simple ways that God's allowing us to use our house. He's being creative and letting me go to places that is not filled with a Christian presence and just bring the love and the power of God and pray for people in places where these people have never been prayed for before. That is what I've been spending a lot of my time doing. And some of you have asked... Well, how are you, <laughs> where's the money coming from if you're not getting a paycheck? Well, here's the deal. It's coming from unique places that we're not expecting. The funeral homes in Madison are calling me, and I am doing probably a funeral every week. And so I still get to be Pastor Dave in front of people, bringing comfort and care and healing and hope and God's promises in front of rooms full of hurting people every week. And it's really precious and it's a little side job and then I've been able to be invited to churches and so I'm doing a lot of traveling and on Facebook it probably looks like I'm sitting on a billion dollars just traveling the world it's like what the heck dude these are I'm getting invited to go do leadership conferences marriage retreats preach and teach and do volunteer training events who knew that the 23 years that I had invested here was building all of this networking and God was saving it for such a time as this so that he could spread what he's put in me to farther places than I could ever ask or imagine. And I am just so grateful. So I'm telling you, yes. You guys are my family. This is my family reunion. I just wanted you to know some of the stuff that's been going on. And God is good and faithful and true. And uh, I love what he's allowing me to do. And I'm so grateful for my wife who is willing 100% to go on this adventure with me. Now, I'm not telling any of you to follow my example and quit your job and see what God has for you. Here's what I am telling you. Listen to what God is asking you to do. And no matter what the risk is involved, if you get godly counsel and agreement with your spouse and the peace of God deep within you, step out in faith and do it. And God will meet you in a way that you have never relied on him before. And he's going to manifest his love and his power and his provision and his favor in ways that you could have never imagined possible. And that's what we are living in. And it's just so wonderful to be sent out by such a wonderful family of people. So that's a little side note of... What, I've, what the heck I've been up to. I wasn't planning to say any of that, but someone was falling asleep over here, so I knew I had to give a personal <laughs> illustration. A good father finds us. Jesus came to seek and to save it with the lost. He came and he found me. When I was in a dark place, 
I knew all the answers, but I had yet to say yes. And God is not done yet. A good father affirms us. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves us in our weakness. Some of you have been to my house and you know that I do dads at Dave's. There's this, we started off with five or six guys on our patio 10 years ago. This is the 10th year that we've been doing dads at Dave's. And these guys from the neighborhood, from church, from the cigar lounge, from the, guy, the dog walkers, the mailman, the paper carriers, the neighbors, they somehow managed to get their way over to my house to drink coffee, eat food, listen to some Johnny Cash, and check out some cool cars on the lawn. And it is a place where there's no competition, just a whole lot of rich community, camaraderie, and goodness. And men of all ages, not necessarily dads, come, and they feel the sense of affirmation and love and acceptance. And it's so good just to be able to have a space like that. And I mean, I grew up here, so this is like, it's just an extension. Pastor Tom calls the things that I'm doing, he's like, you are an outpost in places that we can't be, being a missionary to this city and bringing, it's so great. I just love when people say, what church are you with? I was at the homeless shelter the other day sharing, I was instructed to not talk about God or to pray or use any scriptures, but to commemorate one of the men in the community who had died. And I went and I shared about community and servanthood and purpose and healing and hope. And the room was just filled with this expectation that I was made for something greater than what I've seen. And afterwards, the family member who invited me to come and do that service said, where do you go to church? And I told her, and she said, I've seen your sign, come as you are. I want to come to that church. The same one that instructed me to not talk about God. <laughs> I honored those wishes, and God is making a bridge. And that happens all the time. And I love when we get to share Jesus in a way that speaks the language that people know. Well, my kids have each had visions and ideas and things that they want to do that I'm not quite ready for them to do yet. But I want to be affirming. So Hannah, Hannah started playing violin, viola, in fifth grade. And then after playing for a year, Hannah, we were down at the farmer's market and Hannah's like, I want to go to the farmer's market. I want to play there and make music on the square. And I might even open up my violin case and people could put money in there. Okay, have you ever been to a sixth grade orchestra concert, you guys? So I'm trying to think of reasons why this is not a good idea without telling Hannah that this is not a good idea. And I, I said, well, you know, there's nowhere to put your music. It might blow away. You know, we don't have a tripod, you know. And Oh, I don't need music. I memorized all the music. Oh, okay, well, take that. I really want to go do this, Dad. <laughs> but I'm 11 years old, and I need you to take me there. So I took Hannah and a friend, and we brought them down to the square. Hannah got all set up, laid out the violin case, and stood up on the step and just started playing beautiful music. People came by, children were watching Hannah, listening, people were putting money in the case, 
And we were just kind of standing at a distance because Hannah's like, you guys can go now. (laughs) And we were just watching the magic happen. And I'll tell you what, it was so good. I wanted to affirm Hannah, but I was just nervous about what might happen. And God said, just watch the magic happen. And I did. Mary, our daughter Mary, had a sleepover, many sleepovers. One sleepover, she's like, do we have any paint and paintbrushes? Because I would love for all 10 of my friends to paint their name on the walls of my room. Again, a lot of vision. (laughs) I said, yes, we do. And I went to my wife and I said, this is a bad idea. She's like, why is it a bad idea? And I said, I don't have a good reason. Let's get some paint and let's get some paintbrushes. And I'll tell you what, those kids, those girls' names stayed up on that wall for years, right? I mean, (laughs) you can still kind of see through that... uh, I'm like, this is her room, and it's going to be her room for quite a while. Why not? And it was just great. What, was, what I was so quick to control and squash turned out to be a really special way that I could affirm her idea. Silas turned 18. Oh, yes, that's the, then Silas is the one in the upper left doing the Joker impersonation. <laughs> now he towers over all of us. He turned 18, bought a car, and he said, hey, I want to travel across the country and go meet up with guys that I've never met, but I met him online, and we're going to throw Frisbees around and record our trick shots. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're just a kid. I'm 18. I'm an adult. You're an adult, but you're my kid, and I'm a little nervous about this car, and I'm a little nervous about people that you've never met in person. I'm a little nervous about you riding across the country by yourself to do these things. I said to Sarah, I don't know about this. She's like... Well, let it happen. Do you trust God? Kind of. (laughs) Silas has taken several cross-country trips. He had a friend fly in from Charlotte this weekend, and they drove up to the Twin Cities, getting together with their Frisbee community. And you know what? Now he owns two cars. He owns twice as many cars as we do. And uh, he is living his best 19-year-old boy life. And I just want to say that it's important to listen to our kids' dreams and visions and ideas. And not just let them run with anything that they want to do that might be dangerous or sketchy. Not that I would ever do anything sketchy. I've been called into Pastor Tom's office more than once. I know you elders know that. Uh, (laughs) It's okay to relinquish control and release and give vision a chance, even if it's in our kids. Because they're the ones that are gonna remember we were able to dig a huge hole in the backyard. We were able to paint my kids, my friends' names all over my room. I was able at 11 years old to go play my violin down at the farmer's market. I want to release vision, and I want to be an affirming dad to my kids who have bigger and better and multiple ideas more than I do. God doesn't wait for us to get it all figured out. And I don't have to wait for my kids to have it all figured out to release the passions and the ideas and the visions that they have. A good father affirms us, and he loves us in our weakness. God invites us to come as we are, and he knows what we need. A good father teaches us. Proverbs 22.6 says, start children off in the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. 
We have a responsibility to teach our kids verbally, by our actions, by how we live our lives and how we relate with one another. We are teaching our kids. My dad instilled uh, some things into me that I don't even know if he ever really put words to it, but he instilled in me a love for the Bible and uh, a reverence for the physical book of the Bible. He won't put his Bible on the floor, on the ground. He'll always put it on the seat or carry it with him. He's like, it's just, some people think it's just a book, but I, wanna, I never want to not treat the Word of God with reverence. So that has just been instilled in me. Even when I wasn't walking with Jesus, I had a reverence for God and what He has done for me and the Word that He's given me. And so... I won't put my Bible on the ground, <laughs> on the floor, even though it's just so simple to tuck it under your seat. I will hold it or put it next to me. It's just something that he never told me. He just did it, and I picked it up. Speaking of picking it up, something else that my dad taught me is to pick up trash when you see trash lying on the ground. And I've been with him in the middle of deep discussions in his finest suit, and he'll just find some sticky paper on the ground, and he'll just pick it up, and he'll just keep, and we'll just keep talking. He's not looking for any fanfare. He's not even aware that he's doing it. And then he'll go and find a garbage can and put it away. And you know what? I just like walking around, and if I see something there, I can't not take care of it. These are things that I've learned from my dad that were not taught verbally, but were just modeled year after year after year, time and time again. Sarah's dad, I want to show you a picture of Sarah and her dad. He is one of the smartest and creative people I have ever met. You know why I'm crying? Because I think I need to tell him that, that I think that. He has instilled ingenuity and curiosity into Sarah. I met Sarah in college, and they're at their dorm, their, their dryer, their clothes dryer went out. And, um, and before anyone could get there to fix it or the repair people, by the time they got there, Sarah had this dryer turned upside down, and she had the drum, the dryer drum pulled out and had a socket set in her hand. And she was just 18-year-old Sarah was out there just trying to do what she could to fix it. And she was confident that if it could be fixed, that she could figure out a way to make it happen. And... I don't know if he ever told her how things work and you should be more curious and you can do it, but he lives that life and he does to this day. And that stuff gets instilled to the people that are watching you, whether they're your kids or the people that are around you. What you do is leaving a legacy one way or another, whether you realize it or not. And I just want you to know when we teach our kids, results are not our responsibility. Our job is to be faithful and obedient and to teach our children well. And it's fun to see our kids. I mean, our kids, they love hospitality. I'm thinking we had so many hundreds and hundreds of people into our house over the years that they would probably go out and be on their own and they'd be like, finally, I can have a house to myself. They love hosting events and guests and family reunions and dinners and friends. And they love hospitality. They love, they each love music. They love doing these things that, that Sarah and I love. And it's just fun to see them being respectful citizens and responsible with their relationships. And I, it just delights me so much that they have a love for family and they love being together. 
over the years, they haven't always liked me, but, <laughs> but uh, they really enjoy being with one another, and it's very, very special. Three out of four of our kids are out of the house now, and on Monday nights, they come over, and we eat and play games and laugh and make fun of each other, just like old times, and it's, it's wonderful. Our Heavenly Father has much to teach us in His Word, and we are wise to heed what He says. A good father helps us. Growing up, my dad was always willing to fix our bikes. We had Schwinn Stingrays. I mean, those are, you know, the banana seats, the ape hanger handlebar, the little twirly things that came on, the little glitter seats. We were all that, those 20-inch tires with the, bike, with the playing cards, you know, acting like a little motorcycle. The way that we rode our bikes was requiring them to need a lot of repair from time to time. The ramps that we built, the places that we went, the rocks that we spun out in. And so my dad said, I'd be happy to work on your bike. I just need you to stay with me and watch me do it. I don't want you running off to your friend's house while I'm at home working on your bike. So he was happy to fix our bikes. He was happy to help us fix our bikes, and he was thrilled when we would stay there. I don't know, thrilled's the word, but it was a requirement that we stayed there. And so my friends would come over, and he'd fix all of our bikes, and we would stay there, and we would learn how to fix the bikes. A good father helps us, not just by doing the stuff for us, but showing us how it's done so that we can do it ourselves. Jesus said in John 14, 16, I will ask the father, and he will give you another helper so that he may be with you forever. He was referring to the Holy Spirit. Fathers give good gifts to their children, but God gives his Holy Spirit. A good father does not leave us alone. When Jesus went to heaven, the Spirit was coming to be with us, and the Spirit indwells those of us who ask. Each one of us has been given gifts of the Holy Spirit, gifts, skills, talents, abilities to honor God by serving others. One time, a few years ago, we were driving. I think our whole family was in the car, and it was just pouring rain. And we were out on the country road, TT. I don't know where we are. But uh, on the corner of the road, there was this woman in the pouring rain in her car, and she had a flat tire. And I, I didn't even think about it. I, I pulled right in front of her, and, her kid, and I put on the brakes in the shoulder of the road, and the kids are like, what's up, what's up? I said, I said flat tire. Levi, you're coming with me got to call the oldest, you know. So we went out there, and she rolled down her window. I said, I said, just open your trunk. I said, we'll take care of it. I said, you stay in here. We went out there, and I mean, it was like the rain. Like, you were soaked. I mean, 30 seconds in this rain, and we were soaked to the core. And we were out there, and Levi didn't know how to change a tire. He was probably 15 years old. But I'm out there changing this tire, and I'm showing him how to do it. And he's holding the other end with me, and we're showing where to put the jack, and we're showing how to get the lug nuts off, and how to put them back on, and where the spare tire is, and what to do with the other tire. And I'll tell you, about 10 minutes out there, we had this tire changed. I have no idea what was going on in our van while the kids were watching the circus show of me and Levi. But I'll tell you what, Levi will never forget that moment. I'll never forget that moment. I was excited to help, but I was more excited because my kids were with me. And they know if there is a need and you have the ability to meet that need, then you must step in and help. Mr. Rogers even told the children, he said, when you're in a difficult 
situation and a lot of things are happening at once, he's like, find the helpers. Look for the people that are helping because those are the ones that are safe to be with. I learned from my dad how to help others. I do what I can to help others myself and I'm hoping that my kids will respond and receive that as well for them. Let's be helpers, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what God has put in us to do. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He fills us and uses us to express the Father's love to our families and to everyone around us. A good father exhorts us. Well, there's a word we don't hear very much, probably because we don't like to be exhorted. Exhorted means to urge, to strongly encourage someone to do something, to implore or plead with. Exhortation usually comes in the form of you're not doing something just the way you should, and I'm going to exhort you to do it the right way. So I don't like to be exhorted. Sometimes God exhorts us to do more, and sometimes he exhorts us to let him do more. And I'm going to briefly address both of those. We set the example of Jesus in public, but we chart the course in private. People see the display that we put on and the example that we set, but we chart the long-term course by what we do in private. How much time we're spending with the Lord, how much time we're spending with good, godly people in community, how much time we're devoting to being closer to Jesus. That's the course that we're charting in the deep and secret place that is going to make our example that we set publicly strong and sustainable and rich because Jesus is the center of attention of that. So, James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word, do what it says. The fuller translation says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So if God is exhorting us to do more, I'm not here to tell you what that more is because you already know. Uh, yeah, I probably should stop seeing her. I should, probably should stop doing that. Thing. You know, we know what's keeping us from being closer to Jesus. And if God's exhorting you to get that thing, get rid of that thing, I'm just here to say, stop it. Stop it. Do what he's asking you to do and get rid of the things that are getting in the way. So, you know what it is. I don't need to call it out. I got my own stuff to figure out. But if God's exhorting you to do more that is healthy and less that is in the way, then do it. Obey him and be free. But sometimes God exhorts us to let him do more because we are carrying a lot of burden and weight on ourselves. And we're just walking around feeling defeated and crippled by depression, anxiety, panic, guilt, regret, shame. That's just my top seven right there. And sometimes God just needs to pin us to the corner and say, stop it. Scripture says, be still and know that I am God. Cease striving and know that I am God. Let me be God for you. Stop striving. Stop trying to be in control. Stop trying to do it all. And I am exhorting you to let me do more. Do you need to do more? Then get on it and do it. Let's do it. Do you need to be reminded that God does the heavy lifting? Then trust him. And I think many of us need to give ourselves the same grace that we so quickly give to other people. We are our own worst enemy sometimes because we're so self-critical. Can anyone relate to being self-critical? 
yes, yes, let's trust God and not worry as much about what other people think, but let his power be perfected in our weakness. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. So let's boast in our weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon us. Making Jesus our Lord involves doing what he asks and believing what he says. And finally, a good father revives us. Revives means to help us regain our strength and our energy, restoring life to our weary heart and soul. There's a picture of my dad and brothers and I at one of our baseball games that we went to. This is Camden Yards in Baltimore. And uh, so we do this and we visit these stadiums and we get pictures of us at each of the stadiums. And this August, we're going to actually fly out to California. We're going to hit all five of the major league ballparks in California for games in the course of a week. And it's just going to be so fun. So every year we make plans to do this. When we're all in the vehicle, we're talking about all kinds of stuff. And we just, there's a lot of things that we enjoy and banter about together. But then when my dad's having a conversation with, you know, some of us uniquely, like if we're talking, we'll probably start talking about cars at some point in time, classic cars, new cars, hot rods. You know, we just love talking about cars, cars that he's owned, cars that I've owned, cars that I wish I could own. And we talk about relationships. Uh, just people in our life and just the unique dynamics of relationships. And those are just special things that we discuss a lot about. However, when my brother Jason in the Cubs jersey, a lot of times I'll listen to them and they're talking about leadership and management and books that they're reading and books that are challenging them and authors. And, and I kind of like that stuff too, but they like dive into that stuff together. And then Mark Mark loves talking about, among other things, I'll just listen to their conversations, and Mark and my dad will talk about baseball. Baseball, past, present, and future. Baseball rules, baseball teams, baseball stadiums. And and they'll also talk about family. Family, relatives, extended family, family dynamics, history, legacy, the power of the family. And it's cool because when each of us are with our dad, we have unique pet topics that we talk about. But when we're all together with our father, we're talking about all kinds of things that each of us relate to uh, equally, and we enjoy those times together. It's like when we gather here. We're all in one room. We're learning from one God. We want to know what God has to say to us, and God speaks to us and interacts with us as a group. But God's special time is reserved when the father can meet with you and me one-on-one in a secret place where no one else is around, where there's no other audience but him. And God wants to reveal how much he delights in you and how much truth he wants to instill in you and how much he wants to teach you and show you and remind you and love you and be with you. God is good. So it's good when we gather together. It's good when my brothers and I are with my dad. But it's extra good when we get to talk one-on-one. My dad calls me every Thursday morning at 6 a.m. and we chat for a half an hour. We catch up, we laugh, we cry, we pray, we make fun of each other. I don't know, it's just part of our family tradition. We just, I don't know, we always kind of poke fun at each other in, in wonderful ways because we know so much about each other and we can get away with it. God wants to spend time with you. God knows our deepest needs and he knows what we need before we ask. 
and he is faithful to fill us with his presence and his spirit. I want to say this. We are God's children, but God also refers to us as his bride. He cherishes us as his bride. And some of us dudes are like, yeah, it's a little creepy. But he is our husband, our maker. The Lord of hosts is his name. And he cherishes his bride. And I want to say to you dads, to us dads, one of the best thing, things that a father can do for his children is to love their mother well. And you might be like, dude, that ship has sailed for me. You know what? You can start fresh and honor that person no matter what they've done to you, no matter how little they might deserve it, no matter how much you've been hurt, no matter how much pain you've caused. Our kids have a lot of friends and a lot of those friends have parents who are divorced. And I know so many of those parents and those moms love those kids. And those dads, they love, they love those kids. But you know what some of these kids would like more than anything? is for mom and dad to love each other. And so I'm not here to cast guilt and shame and condemnation because we're all misfits. I'm just saying that God's grace is here today to start fresh in the way that we think about loving people the way that Jesus gave himself for us and loves us. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I don't like the turn from your wicked ways part. I want to do my stuff. I want to do my wicked things. And I don't want to call them wicked. I'll tell you what. We are called by his name. We are God's children. Humbling ourselves and praying and seeking his face is like, why haven't I done this before? And once we seek God's face and we're immersed in his truth and his love, well then turning from our wicked ways is like, duh. I don't even want those things anymore because it would shackle me from me beholding the one who made me, the one who loves me, and the one in whose hands my future is held. I want to pray for us who need to be forgiven and who want to start fresh. God showed us his love when Jesus died on the cross. And he showed us his power when he raised Jesus from the dead. While we were still sinners and selfish, Jesus died for us. And all we need to do is acknowledge that we need him and accept the punishment that he paid on our behalf. Perfect Jesus. A perfect expression of God's love and a perfect payment for our penalty. So I want to pray asking God to forgive me, telling him that I want to be part of his family, and helping me from this day forward to have the strength to walk with him. So I'm inviting you to pray that prayer as well. If you've prayed a prayer like that before, great, I need your help. So I'm going to pray this in just little chunks. 
And I'm just going to ask if you would be willing to repeat it after me, if this is something that you'd like to pray. So would you mind just closing your eyes? Okay, so you got this. I'm going to share. I'm going to say something. And if, if you're down with it, follow me. Repeat it. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the punishment that I deserve. I've made a lot of mistakes. I'm selfish and sinful. And I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? I want to be part of your family. I want to walk in your love. Would you help me to do these things well? Amen.